You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to take us through their journeys as professionals in their fields. Make sure to tune in on YouTube Live every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear their stories, take their advice, and learn from their experiences. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. Today, we invited Dr. Sayed Ali Raza Rizvi. Dr. Rizvi is a vascular surgeon who is learning the art of marketing oneself as a medical professional. Before we get started, we'd like to let you know that Emoji Outreach Foundation is supporting families affected by COVID-19 through its Charity at Home program. Simply download the FlipGive app and join the Emoji team. Assalamu alaikum, um, Dr. Rizvi, how are you? Wa alaikum assalam. Very good. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here today. Uh, your career journey is so... <laughs> You have so many things that you've done, um, and I'm excited for people to really learn how to, I think, try things out to, in order to decide what they want to do later on, which is really what you've done. So thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Great. Thank you. It's, 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 been, a, it's been a remarkable journey with the support of family and friends. And Alhamdulillah. It's, it's, thank you. Um, so can you tell us first, what was your... Um, I think you didn't really want to get into, you didn't see yourself as a vascular surgeon. Uh, I don't think anyone knows what they're going to do in the future, but what was your first uh, little hint at, you know, this is what I should do. So as you mentioned, I've, I've sort of tried a bunch of different things. I've gone through uh, different career paths. And I think uh, one of my first uh, things I wanted to even go into surgery was, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I saw, uh, this is just something that I, you know, I didn't know much about, so I wanted to learn more about it. And the more I learned about it, the more I liked it, and I wanted to pursue it. So I pursued surgery in the same fashion, vascular surgery. And it's this uh, vascular surgery happens to be one of those fields which sometimes treats the sickest of the sick patients in the hospital. Um, and I think uh, being able to be there to offer some assistance to those patients is what really sort of attracted me to this field. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the beginning. Um, what did you initially think that you were going to be when you were in uh, undergrad or high school? Sure. Yeah. So when I first started, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I went to Hicksville High School in, in Long Island. Afterwards, you know, I went to Stony Brook and at Stony Brook, I had no, you know, I had, I had some idea what I wanted to do, but I, I couldn't imagine at all that medicine was any part of that idea mm-hmm. at all. You know, in, in, in our culture, it's like one of those things that should be a medicine, should be a doctor or a lawyer, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's not something I really thought. So I wanted to, I sort of went in with a broad idea and uh, I, I happened to be good at mathematics and sciences. Mm-hmm. So I, I pursued information systems and that's something I was very good at. Um, and, uh, it, you know, eventually I got an internship with Citigroup and then I worked mm-hmm. there for about, for about a year and a year and a half uh, okay. for a brief period. And then, um, you know, and that's, and that's, you know, so, so that was my initial path of sort of getting into college and figuring out where to go from there. Yeah. Throughout this entire time, I had internships all throughout um, in, in different aspects of, uh, uh, you, know, in, you know, in my, uh, in my undergraduate studies. So I kind of just did all that. Um, uh, even to even go to get into medicine that's even after finishing my undergraduate that's still not something I wanted to do 
Um, That's I so interesting. Yeah, I wanted to pursue law school. My father, we came to America when, you know, when I was 11. My father was a high court justice in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something, uh, you, know, I, you know, that's something that was very attractive to me. And I wanted to see if I can, if I should pursue law school or, uh, uh, you know, go into, uh, try to go into law. I actually took my LSATs. I did fairly well. Um, but I didn't, uh, you know, I, I decided against it at the last second. And I uh, sort of, you know, walked away from it. Um, uh, Why but, didn't you, you know, end up pursuing it? Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I had a very good job at Citigroup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought about why would I continue this field when I have a very good job? And I'm not sure what else I would add. You know, maybe, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's different fields and all, but that's not something I approached except for being a judge. I didn't really know much about it. So I didn't get into it. But, you know, but that's something uh, that was one of those things that, you know, that's I've always questioned. But, yeah. but that's, you know, I still had the opportunity to pursue other things. So I pursued. So, so let that go. I worked at Citigroup and then, um, then uh, you know, I, 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 I there was, there's a lot of family things going on at that time. So, yeah. and I saw patients' access to care was limited um, and it was difficult. Um, so I wanted to find out more about this. Um, it tra- attracted me to public health and I went to uh, pursue master public health. Um, so after getting uh, yeah. your master's in public health, um, you already had an undergraduate in, right. what was it? Information systems. Okay. So, and then from there, you worked at Citigroup, and then you went into, just so everyone can know your career path. <laughs> yeah, um, so I worked at, so I, I did information systems, I, I worked at Citigroup, uh-huh. I, I, I went to a master of public health after, you know, I told Citigroup, uh, you know, that I'm going to leave, and I yeah. started my public health program. Um, and then from there, I, you know, I, I went through a different phase of where I, I was uh, at, the, at the lines of actually, you know, working on, on, on pandemics and, mm-hmm. you know, this, this COVID-19, which I hope everyone is very safe for, uh, and healthy from still, sure. you know, and we're, you know, we're not, um, you know, hopefully, and then we can help the people who are affected. But uh, this is something we sort of worked on back in, um, uh, you know, 2004, I want to mm-hmm. say 2003, 2004. And uh, working on um, setting up a system uh, in case there is a yeah, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So back then, th- there was the anthrax, anthrax attacks that were going on. There was a flu pandemic. There was as far as the SARS, SARS was going yeah. on. So all these things were sort of there. And the flu was always, has always been one of those things that what's the, the worst thing that can happen to mankind is, you mm-hmm. know, as if, if it's uh, something as very, very virulent that can, you know, which can, uh, which can be very, um, which can kill people easily. It can be transmissible from one patient to one person to another, um, which can be- At the time, not knowing that could, it could actually happen. Well, it's happened in, in the history many times before. Mm-hmm. But so this was something that was predicted to happen, but we didn't know when it was going to happen. But so you want to prepare mm-hmm. the public health sector for it. So, so we put out- Do you yeah, think sorry. that it was truly pre- like proper preparation at the time? <laughs> Everything that came out no, so, right now? So, so in public health mm-hmm. uh, is from, from my limited experience, public health. And, you know, there's a lot of people in my, in our community might be more experts, but public health, I think it's, it's one of those things that if it's prepared, mm-hmm. uh, if you prepare for it, you won't see it. You know, you okay. won't see the disasters that can happen if there's public health preparedness, but if there's a lack of it, then you'll see the disasters, that makes you know, sense. and that's what this is because there's mm-hmm. lack of preparedness. And I think that's where we kind of short, that's the shortfall. Uh, you know, there's no funding from a government, Mm-hmm. to these uh to these things until there's a crisis yeah. um that's something i learned during my public health program and when i was working at the uh you know one of the think tanks um mm-hmm. 
that uh, Congress and the federal government really act when there is a when there's a crisis danger or when mm-hmm. there's something or there's actually a crisis ahead. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the only time there's there's actually anything that happens, and uh, so there was no preparedness funding, and all these preparedness fundings were cut, and they've been cut traditionally every year. You know, you know, every so often. Um, uh, you know, until the next big thing hits, like the anthrax attack, if there were to happen, or the sarin gas release that happened back in, uh, in Tokyo. So all these things, when all these things happen, that's when you have something that people worry about, a pandemic or a mass casualty mm-hmm. event, and you prepare for those things. But until then, nothing goes on. Yeah. So I, so I digress, but that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I really like doing, and then I kind of backed away from it. Um, you know, I wanted to, then I, you know, over there, you know, I decided, you know, I, I thought some of my voices were sort of being drowned out by a lot of the physicians that were there. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's kind of forced me to uh, look into a career in medicine. And it's, and that's, you know, so that's the route I chose. So being on that table, um, on the side of the public health uh, spectrum, let's say, and seeing the physicians, did they have a louder voice um, in affecting what gets uh, looked into and given priority? So there's many voices uh, in, a, in a, you know, whenever you're, there's a different table. I think one of the, uh, one of the things we should take away from this and any meetings that we have in our community is uh, we need to have a voice. It uh, doesn't matter if it's loud, but we need to have a voice at every table. Mm-hmm. You know, so we need to have people in different specialties and different things, you know, different fields of work that, so you can have a voice at every table. So if you have, somebody needs to be in politics, somebody needs to be a plumber, somebody needs to have everything. So just mm-hmm. in case, you know, so we, can, we know who to turn to. We know that there's a voice who's looking out for our benefits. And I think in the public health sector, you, had, you did have the public health experts, but you also had physicians. And sometimes the physicians, you know, their words would be a little bit louder. And I think it just, it just happened to be that that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not maybe not the norm, but that happened to me. And, I, you know, when I saw it and I kind of backed away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one of my experiences. Um, and then that inspired you to say, you know, what, I want. Yeah, and I want to learn to more. Louder. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, plus on top of it, I wanted to see what what these diseases were that we read about. I yeah. want to learn more about them, and uh, seeing how I can treat these people who had them. Um, so, public health is more of you treat, you know, the entire population. So you look at. So, for example, if you have smoking, you know, you have you cut smoking, you're going to treat so many millions of people. Right, mm-hmm. if you have smoking cessation programs, whereas a physician would literally go from one person, each person and each patient, and treat each patient individually. So it's yeah. it's a different aspect of looking at the similar thing where you have health being looked at from a broader perspective of the entire the community, mm-hmm. and then you're looking at single patients. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a different perspective, and I wanted to sort of gain that perspective as well. So um, how so old? Sorry, how old were you when you got into med school at the time? How old was I? Got to med school in uh, 2000. I was probably uh, 20. I was 25. I was 25. A lot of experiences at a very young age. Uh, I was fortunate that I had family who would, you know, who was, who was, who was supportive. uh, And, uh, you know, and I think I wanted to pursue more and, you know, I I had brothers and sisters and, and uh, aunts and and parents and everyone and uncles and aunts and everyone who was supportive uh, in all these things. I think that's the, the common thing. If people if people prohibit you and they sort of 
stifle you. They can lead you into one direction or another. But I think I, good thing is I didn't have that all that, and I was able to pursue different things throughout my, uh, um, you know, uh, throughout my education. Mm-hmm. Okay, so take us through your med school years. What was that like? Um, how did you? Med school is a great. It was a wonderful time. You know, mm-hmm. any schooling you go through. Uh, while you were there, med school, be it undergraduate, public health, residency, during it, it's probably the most torture-filled time that you have. <laughs> but when you look back at it, it's probably the best time you have, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, I've actually heard that a lot. Yeah, I mean, so so going through it, it was tough. You know, you were there studying nonstop, many birthdays, weddings, you know, family weddings, family deaths, family you know, mudlesses, everything. I've missed all these things. But, you know, you have to, at some point, figure out that if you have to pursue this education, this is, you have to balance, see what's, what's important at that time. And uh, you have to have things in perspective. And, you know, if you can, you know, if you can, <laughs> unfortunately, in a, lot, in a lot of this medical field, you will miss birthdays and mm-hmm. weddings and celebrations that everybody else may be able to attend but you're not but that's that's okay that's the life sometimes you know that's just how it is you know even even in other specialties people miss all these events so it's not really just medicine but you yeah. know it just happens to be that this is what we know of. but that's okay you know it was, it was very educational demand, i learned how demanding it is mm-hmm. right right yeah right um, so you applied like everyone else to med school. You got in. You, what school um, did you go to? And so, um, so I actually, so I was a, I was a non-traditional candidate. Usually, people apply to uh, schooling right out of uh, college or towards their third year of undergraduate, so mm-hmm. they know, or fourth year of undergraduate, so they know where they're going to go to take all the AMCATs and everything. I applied much later, so I was sort of a non-traditional student. Um, you know, I, you know, I had decent MCAT scores, but uh, you know, eventually my choices were yeah, I go to Lecom. Okay. I went to Lecom. I got into an osteopathic school in Erie, Pennsylvania, and that's where I went. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's probably the greatest experience I've had. So <laughs> it was, you know, everybody can make their experiences. So whatever you have, you just try to make the best of it, and that's that's what I did. You know, it actually led me to a lot more things to continue the things I wanted to pursue. It allowed me opportunity mm-hmm. a lot more things I wanted to do while I was there. So it was a, it was a wonderful thing. And then going into your rota- rotations, what was that like for you as someone who likes to try everything and learn about everything? Oh, it was, it was amazing. I, I got to try everything. Mm-hmm. So in rotations, you have to try different fields. You try medicine, pediatrics, try every single specialty. Uh, you know, some you like more than others, but it was still, um, it, it was wonderful. You know, every, every six to 12 weeks or, you know, you'd be in a different specialty learning uh, different aspects of medicine, looking at a similar patient, but now you're looking at this patient from the OB perspective instead of looking at mm-hmm. from the internal medicine perspective or even the pediatrics perspective, you're looking at different things. So it was, it was very interesting. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, for me, it's something who, who wants to like everything, I think was a great experience. And what made you gravitate towards vascular um, or the vascular surgery field? So, so I completed, um, during, you know, during, uh, so at the end, I, you know, I had, um, again, it's, it goes back to your scores and everything. So if you're limited, mm-hmm. if you're, so everything goes back to how well you did. So if you did really well, In then schools? all the specialties open up to you, okay. right? If you're sometimes either you, you're, you're 
not very lucky that you didn't get the ch chance to rotate a specific place. You know, so that happens in med school, but it also, if you didn't do well, you know, it can limit your options. So the number one thing is just, just study. So everyone, everyone studies, you know, mm -hmm. but you just have to do well. And that helped uh, open up all the options. So I was fortunate enough to have, you know, most of these options opened up and, and uh, you know, I, um, I, I gravitated to, I, again, I liked everything. So I liked anesthesia. I liked emergency medicine, which mm -hmm. sort of was a jack of all trades. <laughs> and uh, I liked surgery. Um, <laughs> I applied to all three of them. I went to a bunch of interviews for emergency and anesthesia. And I went to interview for surgery. And uh, I just felt when I was talking to the interviewer for surgery that that's what I liked. And that's, you, you know, when you can tell that the, when you're saying something, you really mean it. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's what, I, what helped me decide really that, you know, even though I like all these different things, me talking to this person about what I want to do is, uh, is, is the real deal. And that's, that's what sort of made me choose uh, surgery. That's so telling because it's like you didn't realize that this is what you wanted to do until you started talking about it to someone else. Yes. And I think your interests just shows um people also play off of your passion so maybe some piece of advice for people out there is to talk about what you want to do or thinking of doing in order to see if you truly like it um, when you're just speaking about it yeah i think one of the best things people can do even even for writing essays um mm -hmm. this is one of the advice i got actually i, I think i have a feeling maybe like five six years ago ten years ago google used to do this where for you to tell, for you to figure out how to solve a problem, you really just get like a teddy bear or something inanimate object mm -hmm. and you try to teach it what your problem is and how you can solve it. And if you can talk to something, it could be a person who would get back to you, but even just talking it out loud can help you solve these problems. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, 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 I mean, that's helping, you know, just talking things out loud with people, um, you know, thinking them through. I think it, just it really helps, helps bring together that perspective um, right. that you have. Uh, so can you tell us more about vascular surgery? What does it entail? Um, what is it for those who are listening? Sure. So, so general surgery, I went to general surgery. General surgery is everything except for orthopedic surgery, mm -hmm. uh, which is bones and uh, neurosurgery, which is the brain. The, everything else uh, is a specialty or subspecialty of general surgery. So within general surgery, you have plastic surgery, you have colorectal, you have, you have you know, critical care, you have uh, minimally invasive, you have so many different specialties. One of them is mm -hmm. vascular surgery. Vascular surgery deals with, it treats all the blood vessel disorders from, from the brain, so outside the brain, to mm -hmm. the toes, uh, except for the heart. So, which means any major blood vessel uh, uh, diseases. So, atherosclerotic disease, so peripheral arterial disease, mm -hmm. DVTs, uh, vein disease, varicose veins, people who need dialysis, which means when their kidneys aren't working because they're shut down. Um, uh, you know, all of these things, there are anything that has to do with any blood vessel outside of the heart and the brain mm -hmm. is treated by vascular, vascular surgeons. Um, and that's, that's very appealing because that's, again, opens up the ability for me to do everything, mm -hmm. you know? So, we, you know, vascular surgeons are able to op offer open and endovascular options. And uh, so you have different tool sets 
that you can uh, offer to the patient um, and treat them appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, so vascular surgery, so to start, sum it up, so vascular surgery deals with everything, all the blood vessels. Number one, it deals with stroke uh, mm-hmm. patients to prevent them from having strokes. It treats by treating carotid artery disease. Patients who are smokers, uh, you know, we offer them medication to try to help them quit their smoking. Uh, that's, so, that's sort of called vascular medicine, where you help them quit smoking, optimize the cardiovascular system, uh, make sure mm-hmm. the blood pressure and medication are all set, which is in coordination with their primary care doctors, treat their dialysis needs, treat their blood clots, treat leg cramps. So patients walk a block and they say they have cramps in their legs, you know, that's could be claudication, uh, which mm-hmm. means uh, which means uh, arteries not getting enough blood supply to the leg. Um, so we treat those wounds, any ulcers you have, treat those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's a, a lot of things that we do. Very, and but the most common thing that most patients see me for is probably varicose veins. You know, this is at this point it becomes at some point it becomes a vanity thing. So patients with varicose veins, they want to see it, they want to get them treated. Fine. We treat those also. Okay. You know, so we treat everything. And what is what advice do you have for people to keep their arteries from getting clogged, to stay in that healthy shape so that they don't have to see you? Sorry, but um, <laughs> No, of course. So they they right. So the number one thing is prevention. That's for public health. Mm-hmm. Right? Prevent everything. One of the biggest uh, uh, one of the biggest um, Achievements of public health is smoking cessation. Yeah. So the less people smoke, the more the less likely the arteries are to get clogged. The arteries, if something gets clogged, it means all of them are uh, can't mm-hmm. have the opportunity. So the one that goes to the brain, that's called the carotid artery. If it gets a narrowing um, or atherosclerotic disease, that can cause a stroke. To prevent stroke, stop smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing with a heart attack. Now, prevent a heart attack, stop smoking. Prevent uh, arteries in the legs. Uh, from getting anything, stop smoking. Even preventing blood clots, there is correlation with blood clots because of heavy smoking, stop mm-hmm. smoking. So number one thing is for, in our culture, unfortunately, it's very prevalent, including the young people. Yeah. You know, sometimes they think it's okay. I don't, you know, it's-, it's And now there's different trends. What types of smoking um, should people stop? Don't smoke anything. There's no reason to smoke anything. Vaping. Right? I mean, I just know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no, vaping is probably the worst thing, right? There's yeah. been a lot of interest from vaping. Um, so there's no, just don't smoke anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's just as, a, as, as a public service announcement, don't, just, yes, just don't, do it. don't. Don't go, don't smoke hookah, don't smoke tobacco, don't smoke anything. Mm-hmm. It's never worth it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Number two is after smoking is, uh, is treat their higher blood pressure. So as patients age, they have high blood pressure or they have inherent disorders which have them do that. And so treat those. So they're make sure their medications are as, uh, controlling all those things. Their diabetes is under control. So all those things have to be under control to prevent them, for, to prevent patients from having to see me. Um, usually seeing a vascular surgeon besides the varicose veins and dialysis needs is sort of uh, the... the the later stages of disease progression. Mm-hmm. So if patients were to see me for leg cramps because they can't walk a block now, is because now the arteries are so hardened and stiffened from plaque That it's up. actually enabling them to do something. It's, it's yes, disabling them to do it, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you're seeing symptoms of it, or they have stroke-like symptoms. Yeah. So now they have symptoms of it. So it's a little late. I, I mean, I can treat it. I can figure, you know, usually most of the times you can fix these problems. But, you know, it's just... To prevent it. Preventing is always better. Yeah. 
Um, so now the big, I think, star of the show, uh, what we said in your little intro at the beginning, um, how do you market yourself as a medical professional? So, so I have been, um, so I completed my fellowship about three years ago. Um, since then, I've sort of gone up the ladders. I was a, uh, most recently until uh, just about two weeks ago, I was a director of the vascular lab at Mount Sinai of Nassau on Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I, there was a, you know, and I wanted to go up more, uh, you know, there's, there's one of those things where I've, uh, you know, I have published papers and I've presented and I want to continue in academics and I want to continue doing all these things. I want to be, I have the opportunity to go up more. And so I, I had to explore other options at that point. Um, so I left, I, you know, I left that, um, I'm currently at, uh, you know, I'm currently uh, at, uh, at New York City Health and Hospital Services at Harlem Hospital. I just started this about two weeks ago. I'm also mm-hmm. in private practice in, in uh, Lindbrook. Um, the way, um, so I'm learning about how to market yourself, right? The number one thing in all of this that I've found is you have to be good. So you have to have good outcomes. Um, for you to be good, you have to know what you're doing. Um, you have to have patience that, that would like to come back to you. Or, so basically, you have to be good at talking to people, I, I presume. And you have to be uh, somewhat respectful. And you have to be very respectful. Um, similar to all the teachings in Islam, you have to be very respectful of anyone you're meeting at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have, to, you have to listen to their concerns. And then you have to offer them solutions that, that, we, have, that we can have, offer them. And if you do all those things appropriately, that's number one. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's really, that's the, the screws of it. Once you have that, then you have uh, the other medical specialists that can help you send you more patients. Um, but in this day and age, there's a lot of marketing online, right? So everything gets done online. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's Twitter, there's Instagram. Um, there is, um, you know, a wealth of uh, sites like WebMD, HealthGrades, Vitals, just Google. There's all these sites. So you have to sort of start flooding them at some point um, with your name. But those advertisements are only as good as your outcomes. Yeah. So if you have bad outcomes, that's what you're saying. I was saying in order to do that, you have to have also a good, I think, uh, base to back yourself up on. Um, so the papers that you publish. Right, exactly. So you can, mm-hmm. of course. So you have to, uh, you, you can flood all those things. But and you can have a big marketing campaign. The problem with that marketing campaign is the first person that comes to you and they have a bad outcome or people think that you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. they'll backplay. You lose right? your credibility. And then, so all that thing is gone. Right. So most important thing is how what your, you know, what your perception is and how you are and how you're looked at. Mm-hmm. So you have to know what you're doing. You have to be good at this. Um, I mean, you know, you know, I'm just starting out and I've, like I said, I've all these, you know, you know, I've, you know, published and I've, uh, you know, presented and I'm getting better at these things. Um, and, uh, you know, but the next, next thing is now I start marketing. And that's, I think that's, you know, that's, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And um, we have, I think, just a minute until the show ends, but we might go over just by five minutes. Um, but uh, how, hard is it to publish that first paper and how do you find that opportunity to, to do so what was your experience 
Sure. So, so we have a small community, right? So we have a Shia mm -hmm. community in New York. Uh, between, you know, amongst the different communities and different sects of just Islam and uh, all the different religions that are out there and all the different cultures that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, what we have to do is get opportunity within ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So we have to get the opportunity. Um, uh, we have to give each other the opportunity to be involved. Um, I was fortunate enough that I got the opportunity, uh, not from their community, but just from my uh, residency where I was at, where mm -hmm. I was, you know, where I was able to uh, I learned more about diseases and I was in a short interest and hey, this is a problem. My first one of my first papers, papers was on dialysis, right? So patients were not getting their fistulas matured or dialysis was not functioning well. So I looked into it and I asked them, I asked my, my attending, I was like, hey, well, what's the problem? He said, well, why don't you write about it? So that was my mm -hmm. first thing of getting a book chapter and thing out. I wrote on, on how to improve these things and for me to do that I had to research mm -hmm. but I had the opportunity because I spoke to my attending and I spoke to them so we have to speak up we have to ask the right questions but within our community we should be able to offer each other everything mm -hmm. you know we have all the different not just medicine we have you know we have lawyers we have everyone and I think we should as long as we people know that we're all able to help and I think uh, for the students and the younger students and um, whoever's interested it could be older anyone who's interested you know, they can, they can reach out to all of us and we should be able to support them in any way. Inshallah, people after this show can reach out to you and others who have been on the show um, to ask for advice if they ever need it. Um, yeah, of course. Of course, I think that's the number one thing. That's the perks of uh, doing the show as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so thank you so much. What is your final piece of advice before we come to the end of our show? Um, final piece of advice. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's, it's just don't be afraid to take chances and try to do the, uh, you know, if, don't go into thinking for, if this is for, if this is for high school students, I think just take the opportunity to learn everything that's out in the world. There, you know, there, I might upset a lot of parents, you know, don't definitely look at medicine as the only one thing. There's hundreds of different special, hundreds of different things. Look at something. Look at the broad perspective. You'll be a better person just by looking at everything else and, and seeing what's out there. Maybe something has been more appealing uh, 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 to you and sort of, you know, go, go, go find the right thing that's out there for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Rizvi. Thank you for your time and for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you for having me. Before we completely end our show, um, we would like to actually let you guys know that um, we do have something coming up for Emoja in terms of what Dr. Rizvi was just talking about, uh, being able to reach out to professionals within our Shia community and learn more from them. Uh, we have a professional directory coming up soon, so we will give you more information on this in the future shows, but there's just a little sneak peek into that. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Rizvi, once again. Thank you. You were just listening to the Umentor Talk Show. If you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Umentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to our iTunes or SoundCloud podcast so you never miss another show. And did you know that we've switched over to YouTube Live? Please tune in every week on YouTube Live to hear all of our future shows and some exclusive announcements. If you have any questions for our current speaker or prior speakers, 
please email us at mentor at umojaoutreach.org and we will get feedback from our speaker. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear from our next guests. Thank you for listening to our, to our show today on YouTube Live.